Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And I thank you for joining us. Today, I'm talking with a younger guy who loves to think, and I hope there are many young people out there that like to sit and ponder. His name is Zach Ellis. Zach, let me ask you a question before we start here. Do you ever just sit and ponder and think, or is your day busy, busy, busy? I'd say it's a combination of both. Yeah. 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 But you do sit and think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, yes. I want to encourage every young person I know to spend some time thinking. In other words, I, w- what I like to do is I, I'll get up in the morning and, and get a cup of coffee, and I have a, especially during, not during the summer because I don't build a fire, but during the three, three seasons, I'm sitting there and I build this fire in, in my wood stove, and I sit there and stare at it and talk to God. I just stare at the fire and think. And uh, to some people that might seem like that's not overly productive. No, it's extremely productive. Because I, I just shut the rest of the world out there. I'm staring at a fire, and I'm talking to God about everything and anything that's on my mind. Realizing that I'm talking to the one, to the one who can change everything. And who has everything in his control and absolutely loves me, loves everybody I'm praying for, loves, has the situation under control, and one day is the total victor, and I'm talking to him. Mm-hmm. So I, I encourage you, I encourage anyone that's younger, older, medium age, I don't know what you call yourself, <laughs> but I encourage all of you, take time every day to ponder. If, if you've never done it, set aside 10 minutes to start with, just sit. But think about either, you know, read something from God's Word and think about it or stare and, and talk to God about people that are important to you. Just talk to them mm-hmm. and realize who you're talking to. Those are all parts of, I think. Um, if you want to call it meditation, call it that, call it, you know, you go to Joshua 1 or it says, uh, you know, that you need to meditate on God's word day and night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somehow I think in our fast society, God has moved us away from thinking. Mm-hmm. And I'll bet you, Zach, when you're out, uh, uh, you do photography. Mm-hmm. I do. It's quiet out there and mm-hmm. you do a lot more thinking than I mean, that's a, a thought process all by itself. And there's some people mm-hmm. that do that in in their their regular life routine where mm-hmm. they're, they're thinking because of the way life is set up for them. So mm-hmm. um, there's no, no way that you can come up with the thoughts at your age that you have without being somewhat of a thinker and thinking it through at some point. Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a great example even within photography that what it does is help me to pay better attention to what I'm already paying attention to. And in that same way, I think that's off, That's really what thinking becomes. What pondering becomes is slowing down long enough to be able to consider what's already rattling around in my mind and to hold it at arm's length and go, well, what, what does this say about me, what I believe about myself, God, and others, and then allow the conversation to to take hold between me and God about what I'm already thinking and how that can be shaped and formed towards hopefully something closer to truth, towards goodness, towards wholeness. So when you're thinking, though, are, you know, some people talk about when they think, they, they try and get their mind to think about nothing. Mm-hmm. Is that possible? <laughs> Maybe if you're really, really tired. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm, I'm trying, I mean, I don't want to, I'm, I'm just trying to figure that out because I've heard, you know, you need to, mm. to, to meditate and get your mind on nothing. I can't get it to nothing. Mm. 
Yeah, I certainly can't either. I mean, I do know that there, I can go from a state of total saturation where I'm overstimulated. There's, there's 13 different things bouncing around and really nothing productive is getting done to have that shrunken down to thinking about one thing at a time. That's already a very substantial step, but to go from one thing to nothing uh, I don't know if I don't think I've ever accomplished that. Yeah, I don't think I have either. So I, I don't even think we're meant to do that. I think yeah. I think the meditation, even when you go to to Joshua, it's meditate on His Word day and night to, to think about how things put to, are put together in reality, how how things are really the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really, if people listen to this program a lot, they know that I I often talk about we need to live in the context of the way we really were created. Mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. all you know you go to the bible and you figure out um you know go back to genesis where it says in the beginning god and and i always stop there and say okay what does that mean mm-hmm. you know and and all of a sudden i'm in context mm-hmm. and as an old school teacher context is kind of important mm-hmm. you know if you if you tell something to a child for example uh i used to ask my class years ago when i taught fifth grade we, we we'd learn about the supreme court Mm. And I taught in a very conservative kind of Jewish area in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I would walk in and I'd, I'd say, hey, the Supreme Court made this ruling. Does that make it right or wrong? Mm. And the kids would always say, well, that doesn't mean right or wrong. It's just a law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, that's right. You know, I mean, just so we understand, the Supreme Court is the highest court in the land. It is the one that tells us what the laws are. But laws aren't necessarily right and wrong when it comes to absolute truth. And, 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 of course, this group was a group that was totally anti-abortion and, you know, that kind of thing because of the Jewish background. So sometimes I would walk in the classroom and I would, I would say to the class, the Supreme Court, and they would shout back, is not supreme. Mm. And uh, it was in the context of that. So one day my principal is walking by and I walk in and go to the Supreme Court and they go, it's not supreme. And he walks in, what are you teaching? <laughs> it's anarchy in here. Yeah. And I'm thinking... <laughs> Well, you missed a little of the context. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, oh. And when I explained it to him, he was fine with it. But, but it was, again, context is important mm-hmm. in life. So, so the, you exist. You're here. You're breathing. You, you, we're in a studio. Mm-hmm. The context of you being here on earth, that context is important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so when we think of that, it's like, okay, how do we get our minds around the idea that there's a context for life? Mm-hmm. I have a a professor right now as I study at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary out in the North Shore of Boston. I'm in the middle of a program there. And one of my professors, Dr. Pablo Polichuk, one of the founders of the counseling program there, and for years prior to his coming there, he served uh, within the, the Harvard system. He studied there and he taught there. And, and so now he teaches uh, integrative counseling, so taking the kind of current psychological models and then uh, biblical framework and, and, and understanding and merging them together. So his, his kind of uh, his approach to thinking uh, and, and approaching his clients is what he calls metacognitive. And that's kind of highfalutin language for something very simple, where he says that a metacognitive approach in our own lives means objectively looking at or objectively observing our own inner subjectivity. And then the question is, well, how do I do anything objectively if I myself am a subjective human being? I have thoughts and opinions that sway like the wind, that go all over the place. And so the reach is, well, to, to be objective is to reach for something objective. And in this case, for him and his example, it's I reach for scripture 
through which I put my own internal subjective experience through that crucible, through that filter to interpret and understand my life here and my life to come. That's something that's really been informative for me in considering how I think is to to have the baseline assumption that my thoughts, my emotions are important. I'm not going to disregard them, but I'm also going to hold them up to something bigger than myself to be interpreted through so that I'm not I'm not controlled by, well, how I feel on Monday is going to be very different from how I feel on Tuesday. So I'd rather have something bigger than myself guiding what I do with that internal experience. Right. You know, I, I think... I, there's so many times in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that we should be people without feelings or emotions. Mm-hmm. It just says they don't control us. Mm-hmm. So what that indicates is that they're going to be there for all kinds of reasons, you know, whatever they are. You, you know, you, you go out, if you're a deer hunter, you go out and you get the big one, you get this really fly high for a moment, you're a Packer fan and they lose and you're flying low for a moment. You know I mean? Hmm. What, what you do with your emotions is what's important. It's not that you don't have them. In fact, you should, you should acknowledge that you have them. And, and they, they play a role in your life, they, and they, they're fine. But they're not God. See, that's always the problem. If you're always trying to satisfy your emotion, you're going to be in trouble because I feel really good when I eat a bowl of ice cream. You know, so now that could be my solution to the whole world as far as any time I have a problem. I can go get a bowl of ice cream, and I'm done with it. Um, and, and so we have to be able to acknowledge the fact that we have emotions. And here's the funny part. Eating a bowl of ice cream, nice chocolate sauce, whatever it might be on there, that's not bad. And, and you should, after, and when you're eating it, you should go, well, that's mm, good. You know, I mean, I feel pretty good about eating it. But, but it's not where we draw our satisfaction from. Our satisfaction has to be deeper than a bowl of ice cream. Mm-hmm. Because the minute the bowl of ice cream isn't there, we have no way to be okay again. So some people get emotions all mixed up. It's like I gotta satisfy my emotion to be okay, but I don't have any ice cream, so I can't be okay today. Well, it's like stop it. Let's talk about how we got there. Let's talk about how how you never trained yourself to understand what the purpose of feelings actually are in emotions, because now you have to constantly massage them. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Rather than acknowledging, I. I feel badly today because I should. Mm-hmm. You know, I just watched something on the news where someone got murdered or whatever else. I, I shouldn't be okay with that, you know. And, and that's okay because I'm putting it in the bigger context of life. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. I mean, when you're, you're, you're the first question you asked at the top of the uh, conversation here about am I a pondering or a thinking person, and that really is so much of what comes to mind is that, not only am I thinking about things in, in just kind of in details and facts, but also I'm acknowledging my emotional life, my interior landscape, and how that is driving me towards certain actions, thoughts, behaviors. And if that is driving me without awareness of it, then I really am driven towards all sorts of things that are going to get me into a mess. And yet I'm not supposed to disregard them and just hope that everything works out smoothly without looking at it. So that really, I think it really does become this essential daily process not just at one point of the day but all throughout the day to be meditating on God's word to be in observance of my own inner dialogue and to be giving that over to God to see this is actually what I feel right now I'll be honest about that now what do you have to say in 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 response to it and does that reshape and reform how I'm feeling right now or am I left in the same position more often than not I'm left in a different I'm brought into a different position than I started with yeah. You know, the truth is always calming to me. 
regardless of what's going on in the world, the truth calms me. And I think that's because that's the way God made things to be. For example, there's a lot of things in the world right now. You look around right this morning as I was just reviewing some of the headlines of what's going on around the world. The United States bombs Iran. Um, Israel bombs Syria. Uh, Gaza Strip is going on. We got the war in Russia and Ukraine. It's like the whole world is about to just implode. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this going, can't anybody get along? I mean, honestly, we, we got to start throwing bombs at each other and kill each other because of, of how we treat each other in the first place. And the only solution is to eliminate another body. Mm. And, and we've learned through history that's not going to be a solution. I mean, all you got to do is go back and, and look, and you're going to see that wars are going to continue and fights and anger and the whole works. So then you go to God and say, God, what, what is the solution? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you put life in context again. And the Bible. I, for me, again, every day needs to start almost the same way, where, where I acknowledge that God is God and I'm Dave. I mean, once I get there, I can talk to God about anything. Because now I, what I've acknowledged is I have these different feelings and emotions and thoughts and ideas, and they all come from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And I immediately, when I use that word, I immediately transfer back up to God and say, but God, you don't have a perspective. I have a perspective. So I'm talking to my Heavenly Father who loves me and is perspectiveless. Mm-hmm. And some have argued with me, go, God has a perspective. I go, you know what, your broad use of that word it is intriguing. Mm-hmm. But, but in order to have a perspective, which I do, you have to have limited understanding. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's no such thing as perspective. Mm-hmm. If I had complete understanding, that would not be considered a perspective. Mm-hmm. That would be considered complete understanding. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be telling you from my perspective how things work. Mm-hmm. However, as I talked to Zach today, I'm talking to him about something. All of my life comes from perspective. I don't have any way to dismiss my perspective. So that's why talking to God about it and acknowledging that I have a perspective is always healthy. Mm-hmm. Because then I, I could say, well, I'd like to punch this guy in the face. You know what I mean? And God's going, I understand. <laughs> that's because you have perspective. Mm-hmm. And you think this guy really hurts you and punch him in the face is going to cure that. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you from my understanding, which is perspectiveless. Mm-hmm. I want you to love him. Yeah, but no, that I'm telling you from a lack of perspective, from a total understanding viewpoint now. Now, when you approach the scriptures that way, it changes the way you you think. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't condemn me. Mm. You know, I mean, so many times you can feel like I am the worst person. I, I, I privately, I, I often tell God how bad I am. You know, it's like, oh, God. Mm. You know, I'm on the highway. Guy cuts me off. I want to run him off the road and have his car go on fire. And I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that went violent quick. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and God's going, really? Mm. <laughs> you know, but, but he knows. I mean, there, there's, there's things in your head where you think about it and you go, boy, that was bad. Mm-hmm. And God, and I can go right to God and go, God, can you believe I just thought that? Mm. <laughs> and I can almost picture God going, you know, you still have this perspective thing going on. You grew up in the city. It was not right to cut you off in traffic. I, I'm, mm-hmm. That's your perspective. Mm-hmm. What I've told you is across the board, I want you to love what you would consider your enemy. 
why don't you pray for the guy instead? Mm. Why, why don't you actually care about where he comes from and what he, why did he cut you off in the first place? Is he trying to show you his car or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm thinking, okay, God, you can talk me through all this because you don't have that perspective. Mm. Yeah. You've got paradox saturated throughout the whole thing where we, we observe the world as it is, broken, sinful, ever erring, and, and go, well, why does it have to be this way? What can I do about it? I, I want after something different. This isn't the way that this was intended to be, is supposed to be, and I want it for it to be better. And then God comes and says, well, now how do we do that? How does it actually come about? I want you to love your enemy. But that's the guy that I'm mad at. That's the guy that I want his, his car to be on fire. Well, okay, so is you retaliating against that person going to bring about the bigger picture wholeness that you desire after? Most likely not. It might feel good in the moment. But God comes and says, well, actually, I want you to have the thing that you desire after. And so here's the way that you go right. about. Uh, this is how that happens. It's th- that... Well, that's a that's a hard one to wrestle yeah, with. Yeah, well, you know, I think I think what we have to do, what I have to do anyway, is continually be able to be honest with God and say, "Here's here's what I think, here's what I feel." Acknowledge that I don't that I'm doing that from a perspective of, of a sinful world perspective that I, I, you know, I live in a sinful world and mm. and go to God and say, "So so what should I be thinking?" Mm. You know, I mean, why? Because you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, when you uh, when you read the Apostle Paul or anyone in the in the in the New Testament, you, you, they're amazed at God's mercy and God's grace. You know, they're just amazed at. It. They keep wanting you to understand God's mercy and God's grace. God's mercy is I don't get what I deserve, and God's grace is I get far more than I deserve. So, a lot of people mess that up because they think um, you know it means that God just lets you slip through life, and you no. His mercy is precious because God is not, never going to give me, as his child, I will never get what I actually deserve. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I deserve hell. I deserve to live a life apart from him. I deserve all that stuff, but I'm not going to get that. Grace means I get far more than I deserve, so I can actually go to my Heavenly Father who created everything. I can go and I can admit to him that, you know, I have these moments where you, you want to punch somebody or whatever it might be, and and God work you through that. Mm-hmm. And know that he's working you through that rather than uh, having you suffer the consequences of not having this perspective thing right. Because he, again, is, you know, I, I encourage people, like if you were to come to me and, and uh, you were very sad about something, the only thing that I would do for you is I wouldn't try and get you not to be sad. I, I would try and ask you to remind yourself of what you know, mm-hmm. not what you feel at this point. Mm. And what you know should drag you out of the despair. It, it doesn't change the feeling. It just drags you out of the despair and the anger and the you know, whatever else you might be feeling. Now, now here's the problem. If you don't know, okay, so if, if I said, you know, Zach, remind yourself of what you know, and you, and you say, yeah, I know God loves me, so why in the world did he do this? Mm-hmm. Now I'm not, okay, you don't know God yet. You know, you're blaming him for something. He, you know, you don't understand the nature of love. So reminding you to remind yourself of what you know assumes mm-hmm. that you know something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're operating through the lens of a biblical worldview, then everything that you see, that you feel, that you encounter gets put through that filter. It gets set on top of that foundation. And that's a process that's ongoing, that's, that's always being built, that's being formed, that's being sharpened, that's being renewed. 
And yet if we don't have any of that at all as a baseline way of understanding, it's like every single, every single step that I make, if I don't have that foundation underneath me, becomes shaky where the next step might be on totally different ground and the norms are different and, and the culture shifts and now I don't know where I am or what to believe and what to do. And I'm either left to despair or I'm left to put my hope into the person who's speaking the loudest, right? That's, that's claiming to know the way that things are to be. And then I get led astray in that direction. So, I mean, I I don't know how many times over the years that I grew up here at Silver Birch Ranch and you've been the president the whole time that I've been here. And I remember in some ways almost feeling either frustrated or confused when you would tell me, Zach, I have wisdom to share with you, but only as much as I'm drawing that wisdom from scripture and I will fail you along the way. You used to say that to me and to groups of people speaking. And I remember it would it would it would kind of break my head to go, well, wait a second, I, I trust Dave and I and I trust what he has to say. But then you would remind me and us that, well, you only should trust me in as much as I'm communicating to you what Scripture says, what God says through his word. And I get to be a vessel of that. But as a human being, as Dave, as you would say, I'm prone to fail you. I'm not going to be perfect for you. So when we think about thinking, contemplating, pondering, this is what we were talking about just a little bit ago. The question becomes, well, how do you or anybody else hand over to somebody a way of thinking, a way of interpreting reality around them that they can take to the bank, that they can count on even after you're long gone and I'm long gone or anybody else is around anymore? And gosh, that that always brings us back to Scripture to say it continues to speak no matter the culture, no matter the time. When you engage with this, with God's word, it will shape and form the way that you see yourself, God, and others. Yep. You know, it, it's interesting. As you as you speak, I keep thinking, within this culture, I think um, some of the ways that were used back in the 50s are still trying to be used to try and persuade people to think right or whatever, and, and really we're a different group. Mm-hmm. Um, I think today we need to, to be silent more and live more in the context of knowing the truth and be an example with our lives and speak when uh, when we have the relationship and people can see that, you know, for example, I've been here now at Silver Bird Trans. This will be going on my 58th summer. I have seen God work. So I have something to say about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that alone is just an example. of I, You can't take that away. That's something I have seen. I can speak on it. I can understand it. And, and that's a much better way to teach than uh, 30 years ago when I said you need to trust God. I can say, here's what happens when you trust God. Mm-hmm. And, and I can show by example. And in this day and age, though, I think questions are important. So if, if you were to come to me and, and I might say something like, do you think God loves you? What would you say? Mm-hmm. Yes. Then act like it. I'm done now. I'm walking away. And I think that is is more profound in this day and age than trying to argue with somebody or come up with a, because I've I've left it. I you're the one who said you think God loves you. But you're not acting in that context, so go deal with it. Go go. Mm. Something. Or I can ask you another one. Do you, do you think God has perspective? Mm-hmm. You do. I don't. And I'll walk away. You think God has opinions? Mm-hmm. And most people say, no. I say, well, then act like it. Right. And then I walk away. Mm-hmm. So now I didn't really tell you anything. Mm-hmm. I just said, here's what you think. Mm-hmm. It's funny how your life doesn't match what you think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving. 
<laughs> you know, I don't need to get your life to match what, what you think. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know how many people I've, you know, even in, in tragic situations where somebody has died or whatever, it's like, do you believe God loved your relative? Yes. Just act that way. Mm. Well, and it begs a question to say, well, if, if I were to act that way, then what would that look like? Right. And, I mean, there's there's complexity in that to say for somebody who maybe hasn't had a model of love in their life to go, well, I don't even know what that would look like. So exactly. you want me to imagine this in relationship to God and go, well, that that's almost a foreign concept to me. And so it's not only that you ask the question and then say act like it and then the person is left to their own devices, but it it welcomes in the possibility of relationship to go, well, now we are we are gifted with the ability to model for each other what God has first modeled for us to act that out in relationship with him and to each other so that we're reminded of who God actually is as much as we can be. Right. And and really what I'm trying to do as well is take Dave out of it more and let the Holy Spirit work. Hmm. Because if, if I can get you to think, you know, um, of some topic, whatever it is, you know, I, I, and I've done this before at different men's conferences. I, I'll ask the guys, you know, whatever their topic is, do you believe God's sovereign and all their hands go up? And they just act like it. I don't have anything else to say. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you want me to do now for the next hour? Teach you about what? Mm-hmm. Because you're already not acting in accordance with what you believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, I've said enough. Mm-hmm. And And really, as I get older... I've had more people tell me that just those questions is what troubles them, not any, they can't remember anything else I've said. Mm. Hmm. Because they'll go back and they'll constantly be bothered, you know. Do you believe that God does right? Yes. Well, then act like it. Because you're acting like he did something wrong here. Mm. You know, I mean, that's my observation. And and really, now it's up to your struggle. I'm just telling you what I've, I've observed as an outsider. You... You talk about God's plan, God's love, God's sovereignty, God, God's, you know, he doesn't have an opinion, he doesn't have a perspective, so you're talking about all those things. Mm. And then you act as if God has a perspective, he's got an opinion, he doesn't love you because he doesn't make the circumstances the way you want them, and you, you go through this whole thing. So somehow your life doesn't reflect what you talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and then you wonder why there's this internal tur- turmoil all the time. Well, because your brain is saying this, your life is saying this, and you have no way to resolve it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why don't you go resolve something? Because until you do, you're going to be a wreck. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know how you're going to fix it because only God could fix that. you got to live within the scope or the realm of the truth somehow. So then the, when you when you pose that question to people with whom you're, you're speaking to or, or talking with, then it's... The assumption, I, I, it seems like, is not that anybody has this entirely figured out, but that when you acknowledge that God is good and then, okay, well, I need to act like it. Well, what are the areas where I'm not acting like that that can come into fur- to be further integrated with truth, with goodness, right. with reality itself as God has made things to be? Well, and it also gives me a starting point as an old teacher. So if I come to you and I say, do you think God loves you? And you say, no. Mm. All right, I know where to go. Mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. you know if you say yes then i don't have much more to say <laughs> you know because you're not acting like it so now i can just say well you need to act like it so as a teacher it, it always helps me base where i need to go if if i say do you think god has perspective and you say yes like okay i, I gotta show you that god just says truth all the time and perspective is something different that you have now i know where to teach at least down the road mm-hmm. 
by asking the question and if they'll listen to us. Well, you're listening to Younger Older, and I'm Dave Wager with Zach Ellis here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch. So I thank you for listening. Hope you join us again soon. Goodbye for now.